As AI continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. HackerOne employs over 2 million ethical hackers, and 750 of them specialize in prompt hacking and other AI security and testing. So HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large company, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI for more. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live, small group, cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training, kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway, in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. Welcome to the Rocket Ship Podcast. I'm Matt Goldman. I'm Joelle Steiniger. And I'm Michael Saka. Today we talked to Ai Chingo of PictoCharts. Um, guys, what'd you think? This was super interesting. Um, I hadn't really spoken to many people about what it's like to get going in Southeast Asia these days, but the way she described it sounds like it's just ripe for opportunity. Um, the government is really supportive of people trying to get started um, and has money to put towards grants and um, the way she kind of uh, put it is that the first person to nail a lot of the things that we're saturated with here, like, say, grocery delivery, the first people over, the, over there to really nail that are going to own the market. And so it's just really exciting times over there. 
Yeah, and her company helps people create infographics. So she was able to share some insights into how to make that strategy work for your company and uh, how to avoid the mistakes that a lot of people make. So let's get into it. Uh, Tell us a bit about PictoChart. Sure. So um, PictoChart's an infographic tool that helps people create visual stories. So um, one aspect is being able to come up with like a, a good story. Um, and a part of the other part of that would be the design, um, to be able to create something that looks professional, um, whether it's a report, a presentation, um, and, and so much more without outsourcing or getting a designer to do that. So we try to help people, uh, be able to, how we want to call it, like design their visualizations almost, um, uh, without going to a, you know, um, a professional designer or outsourcing it to an agency. So when did you, when, when and I guess where did you fund, found the company? Yeah, so we founded the company, actually. So the idea started when we were in an accelerator program. So that was um, China Accelerator. So um, we're now based in Penang, Malaysia. But um, the idea started then, and that was like back in July of 2011, so we had the idea and then we started to, you know, go through an accelerator program. So that would include building a prototype. Um, and then uh, we launched the actual product with a paid version as well in March of 2012. Um, but since then, so we got out the program um, in 2011 and then we, we went to Malaysia Strait and we've been there ever since. So what's the, what's the startup landscape look like there? Yeah, so it's, it's kind of like... I, I don't have an extremely good analogy for this, but I kind of call it like it's like a land and there is absolutely nothing built and, um, you know, like there's no tree, nothing. So anything that you plant, anything that you grow, anything that you try would likely, you know, um, be able to succeed. Indonesia alone, for example, has got like 280 million um, people. So like the first Uber that's going to do it, the first food delivery system that's going to nail it is going to go big. Um, wow. and, and that is just one country. Apart from that, I, I think the burn rate is so low that, you know, it just makes so much of sense like to, to be there because um, there's a huge competition for, like, there's a talent war going everywhere. Um, in Europe here, I see it. I, I see it. And needless to, to even mention, like, in North America, it's even mm-hmm. more severe. Um, and we see even, like, large companies like Facebook, etc., they're making small, tiny little acquisitions, and they're all mainly... Um, talent acquisitions in Southeast Asia. So I think it's going to get hotter and hotter. Um, and, and more investors are also, you know, beginning to like set up office in Southeast Asia alone. So um, things are looking really interesting. So, I mean, you guys raised a little bit of funding. Um, tell us a bit about that that process. And, and um, I know, what, what's the plans for the future? Do you raise from um, from China? Do you raise from the States? What does it look like? Yeah, so we um, we actually didn't quite raise um, the traditional way. So the beautiful thing about being in Southeast Asia is that the government is so into um, building and and helping startups grow that they're they're actually like government funds um, in Singapore, in Malaysia as well to help um, incentivize or you know help help startups to um, do what they do best. So they're actually uh, giving funds for either creating a prototype or for you to commercialize it. And we've actually gotten that grant. Um, and we've also hit the success criteria, <laughs> which um, usually means you're profitable be- beyond a certain amount or, okay. um, or you're, you've been acquired. So um, 
we've not been inquired, but um, we've we've been profitable above a certain amount, and and we've had to actually pay back half of the grant. So, in other words, like we we didn't really raise. Um, oh. But yeah, but we've spoken with a couple of um, VCs here in in Singapore, um, and and they are also like we've spoken with a couple of Japanese investors as well that are really looking into the region. Um, and we've spoken with some other like much larger VCs, um, but we've decided not to go ahead with it. I'd love to hear a bit about where um, where you guys found growth um, for the, for your your product and where you guys found your initial customers. Yeah, so we, I mean, we were one of the few infographic um, tools that came out in like 2011, 2012. Um, and because of that, um, we ranked on on Google and um, a, a huge part of our users started coming in from just search engines alone. And then referrals and recommendations and then blogs wrote about us and things like that. But um, a lot of our users until today are still like about 55% are from North America. Um, and then we get about another 20% in Europe and then another, you know, 15% in Latin America. Um, but it's pretty spread out all throughout the world. Um, and Asia is growing and inching slowly, but it's actually not, um, not one of our focus markets at all. Infographics have become this, this really uh, buzzed about marketing channel. What mm-hmm. do you see a lot of startups uh, screw up when they try to start doing an infographic campaign? Um, I think there, there are some that approach it pretty well. So like they think about it as like a content marketing. So they know that you shouldn't be putting in your brand and talking about, you know, like um, this is my startup and <laughs> this is what we do well. But instead they go kind of like this is, you know, the landscape or um, about something and then um, create infographics about that. And I think those kind of infographics generally do the best um, kind of just having um, proprietary data almost about a, a niche topic or a, a topic that, you know, people would not be able to find um, usually online. And I, I think a, a lot of people have content and then they just go like, well, you know, what what could I do with this? Maybe, you know, come up with an infographic um, and, and try to like repurpose it. And if I think the, the biggest thing is actually on the research and the content itself, if it's if there isn't much research done on the content, no matter how good your graphics look or how good the design looks, it's not, you know, it's, it's just not going to have anybody share it or engage with the content at all. And I'm sure every industry is different, but do you have any tips for finding good uh, sources for research? Yeah, that's, that's kind of like a challenging point for us. Uh, <laughs> I mean, like if we were to, you know, create our own infographics or work with a partner and usually they provide data points. So we've worked with nonprofits and we kind of feature um, one nonprofit each month and create a, a template based on, you know, the data that they, um, that they provide. So I, I have to say that it, it varies too much that I, I cannot say like, try this and try that. Um, and, and just because if it's, you know, if it's about politics, like you would go via a completely different source. And if it's, you know, about, I don't know, like, um, uh, astronomy, like you, you would just go through a completely different source. So I'm not sure if I, I have very good tips on, um, how to be able to find that. But I, I also think, um, just being able to own data. So if you had, um, if, if you're a startup and you had, um, data that you knew, 
you know, like for us, we would probably know like things like um, what kind of colors would have been uh, great in, or, or, you know, in, in infographics or what kind of fonts are most likely used, what like those kind of information that you own and you know, um, or you have cr- created a survey and then um, the in which, you know, results wise, like nobody else would own that. Um, I, I would think that that would be the best um, way of going about trying to find a, a piece of data. When Rain Wilson realized he had a special gift for talking people to sleep, he had two choices. Construct a massive speaker that would blast his voice to every person in the country or invent a talking pillow. AT&T Business eventually talked him into the pillow thing. And backed by a reliable network, the only network with built-in security controls, Sleep With Rain was a hit. Take your ideas to the moon and beyond at business.att. Com. That's business.att.com. What's been the biggest challenge trying to uh, build a product that helps people visualize data? Because this is uh, something that's hard for even designers to do sometimes. Yeah, so the I think the kind of the most challenging um, aspect about, you know, about PictoChart is that um, we initially started out thinking that uh, and, and we've seen that as well. Like a lot of people have been using um, PictoChart and they are like content marketers and et cetera. But as, as we started to gain more users, then we're seeing that, you know, a lot of people are using PictoChart to be able to come up with like internal communications. So they are using essentially PictoChart to create, for example, newsletters or presentations and then present it to the board um, about their, you know, their um, quarterly performance and things like that. And because of that, we've started to think about, like, we started to need more layouts. Um, we started to need more, like, there are too many types of content for us to be able to kind of, like, create templates out of all of them. Um, and because mm-hmm. of that, like, PictoChat's kind of going through a change right now, which is not visible at all. But <laughs> internally, we are <laughs> we're working on something that's quite major that would help um, people who want to tell stories that, you know, may not necessarily you know, be like from a very marketing um, background or perspective. Um, I, I think being able to just come up with so much of like layouts or diagrams and things like that, that could be flexible enough for all of different types of users um, to be able to use that, that has been hard. And, yeah. And so how did you, how did you go about finding out the use cases for the product? Were people writing you? Was this something that you actively went out and, and sought? Yeah, so we we didn't, I mean, we kind of did it in a really like, you know, like chaotic manner until like last year. Um, So like last, I mean, so before we got a user experience researcher, um, what we did was just like look at our support tickets and then kind of, you know, tag um, and and put it on a spreadsheet. So it it really looks chaotic. Like I I remember how we, we used to put things together, kind of go like this user requested for this thing, put it up. And if any user requests for such a thing, you know, search through the entire Excel to find that exact keyword and add one more number um, onto it. So we were, okay. yeah, it, it was, it was just messy, like to, to say the least. Um, and, and, you know, our customer delight team did not enjoy that process at all. But um, so we got a user experience researcher just last year, we created a role um, to kind of uh, create almost like a funnel. <laughs> um, and, okay. and so this person now goes out and then, speaks to our users um, 
proactively reaches out and kind of goes like, well, who has time? <laughs> Help us, you know, because we're trying to test um, this paper prototype that we've created or we, we created something in Envision and we need to get some feedback. Um, or we run surveys with um, part, like a particular set of users. So, for example, if we're trying to improve charts right now, then we'll, we'll you know, send out an in-app message that basically just targets um, people who have been using the chart component and then um, speak to them about that and kind of ask a couple of questions. And if we need to, then we, we do another Skype call. Um, and that process has just been so much like more streamlined um, because it has some kind of a process <laughs> and, mm. and everyone in the team can look at, you know, can look at the findings before we actually start wireframing and prototyping. Um, and yeah, and that's so much more helpful. So what do you do with the information that you collect? Um, is it still going into spreadsheets or do you have like, what's the next step of the process so that your team can kind of look through it and make sense of it all? Yeah, so we, we're kind of trying our best to come up with a, a process so that, like, if we needed to, we could hire more people, like, more user experience researchers. Um, uh, so once, once uh, Eureka, and her name is Eureka, and, she, and once she has done all of this, she would basically um, create a really kind of a, a document that would specify all of the pain points and the problem statement, like, in, in real detail, supported by, like, user videos or um, the, you know, like the things that they have been telling us that is painful about, for example, charts. Um, and once that is done, then we go through a, a design sprint. Um, and that is done with our product owner, um, a front end developer, a back end developer, a, a marketing person and a UI UX person. Um, and they sit together and do their best for a week to set aside all work and just try to like prototype and, and reiterate on the, um, on the design um, really, really quickly. And we, we picked that um, not because it was recommended by Google Ventures, but um, we found that that was actually the, you know, the one process that kind of worked for us. So we've been trying multiple different things before the design sprint, but we think that that works the best um, for us. And then, so from the design phase, then we'll, during that week, there's also some user validation um, that comes in into play. So, um, we will, you know, we could contact our users and it's just, it's usually just between one, two or three person. It's never more than three person um, to take a look at the prototype and they play with it. And then, you know, from there, um, if it, if it gets approved or we tweak it a little bit more and then it goes out to development and then testing and QA and et cetera. So that's the current process that we're, we're running with. So you published a post, um, MVPs don't work anymore. Um, and, and one of the steps that really kind of jumped out to me, um, was, was sleep on it. Um, how do you guys incorporate that into like meetings? It, it, do you kind of leave things unresolved and then come back to it? Or what does that look like in, in the sense of a company? Yeah. So, um, on that sleep on it, like that also was actually part of the design sprint. Um, and the thing is the design sprint is designed to be in five days. Um, and I think that's a beauty to that, to not try to rush and put everything into like, you know, like, I don't know, like cram it in 48 hours and then try to get right. something out. So um, after each day and each day, it's like one day is for like the problem statement. The next day is for like, you know, come up with your ideas. The third day, like prototype something. The fourth one, go, go get validation. And the fifth one, you know, we get something final that, so between each day, everybody goes back from a full day of brainstorming or working together um, and they get to sleep on it. And I think that's so like valuable because in, in the past, we've 
actually tried our very best to make decisions in the meeting itself or, you know, try to like accomplish something in like uh, eight, nine hours. And, and it just, it just didn't work. (laughs) Um, And and I, that's why I I thought that that whole, you know, design sprint process um, was pretty valuable. I'm sure we're still going to continue tweaking it and, and, you know, moving some processes up and down, but um, so far it's, it's been the best. And yeah. and, And I, I personally think that sleeping on it is so important because when you're in the heat of a discussion, um, sometimes, you know, like wrong decisions get made just because like I I mentioned, somebody is really vocal um, or I am really vocal (laughs) and then, Mm -hmm. you know, and then a decision gets made, but it's not necessarily the best one. So yeah, because sometimes it becomes about being right. Yeah. Rather than finding the right in the heat of the moment. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, that's cool. So do you guys have like a, a process for coming back and, and revisiting the previous meeting, like in the morning coming in and saying, Hey, did anyone's ideas change or did anyone's view on this change? Yeah. So that, I mean, that seats within like the different, you know, project owners and it, it really depends on how the team wants to facilitate that. But most of the time, you come in and then, you know, it, it feels like you've not been in your office for I don't know how long. And <laughs> right. every, yeah, everybody would actually go through a summary um, and, and kind of, and it's all on the whiteboard and it's all on the walls, you know, like it's, it's everywhere. So we'll just be like, well, we were at this point. So today we're going to be, you know, doing this. Let's try to get to that point. <laughs> okay. um, um, and, and I think it, it's, it's, yeah, it's like sprint pa- planning is essentially just like a, a scrum, you know, what I've done yesterday, what I'm going to do today. I'll try to get there. Um, so, yeah. What? So you run a, um, well, I guess, what percentage of your team is uh, distributed and, and what percent it kind of uh, goes into the office every day? Yeah, um, I'm kind of struggling with the numbers just because of the number of people going, like, you know, like um, starting to work remotely. But um, yeah. it's about 80% in the office. Um, and 20% are not in the office. So they're, they're working from all over the world. Um, and, uh, however, I have to say that the product team, um, so everybody who's a UI UX designer, um, anybody who is, um, a developer actually sits in the office. Um, it's only people who are in the marketing team, um, customer success, customer delight. Yeah. So, um, how do you manage the communication between like the product, the marketing, when people are in, I mean, they're literally all over the world, different time zones, yeah. um, et cetera. What, do you, what, what kind of practices have you guys built up? It's, it's been a really new thing for us. So previously it's only been like the delight team, but now the marketing team has kind of started to like um, go remote as well. So um, we have started out with like Slack and, you know, just Google drive and we try to film and record <laughs> things that events that happen in the office. Um, oh, so that, cool. Yeah. So that like, you know, everyone else can watch it in a different time zone and they won't have to wake up at like 3am to catch us, you know, <laughs> right. doing our town hall meeting or something. <laughs> um, and so we've been doing a couple of things just to make sure people don't miss out. And um, we're also doing like annual retreats. And this year, for example, we're going to Australia and everybody's going to be there. Um, and so, I, I mean, there are a couple of things that we're trying to do to keep ourselves informed. Um, um, you know, the usual email, Slack, um, drive, Skype, uh, Google hangout, um, things like that. And so far it's working. So we're not, 
gonna try anything more drastic yet. <laughs> I, I, I don't know because I know that the remote team has actually talked about a couple of like retreats where, you know, the remote team themselves, like they, they would like you know, oh. go meet once a month in New York or um, they saw another one in Thailand and they were like, okay, let's compare prices. You know, if everyone can make it, let's go. So, um, and I'm sure like a couple of people from the office anyway, like although they're in the office, like um, it's pretty flexible. So we've had, you know, some people like going to work in Philippines when they want. And um, we have another like two um, head of departments, so-called uh, team leaders, and they're going to be working from Europe this end of the year. So it's, you know, they, they have opportunities to meet um, face-to-face. Cool, cool, yeah. Um, what is, what's kind of the, the next step for, for you guys? What's the big challenge coming up in the next um, six months or a year? Yeah, we're, so like, um, we, we kind of covered that a little bit. Like we, we have been thinking about how we can help people, um, you know, structure their infographics a bit better. I know we're an infographic tool, but to be very honest, if we're looking at how our users are using PictoChart, they're using it beyond infographics. Like it's a lot of like presentations. We've seen that we've seen, um, you know, all kinds of things from reports and newsletters. Um, and we've been, really trying hard to think not just about the design and how, how to like help them make the most beautiful thing, but also in, in terms of like structuring how, how to help them think about their story um, so that the content itself is, is well-researched or it, it flows. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that is hard. <laughs> I mean, yeah. like, you know, for, a, a, like for us, because we have right now, um, we have 3 million signups. It's not easy for us to change the tool anymore. Um, we can add things. We may be able to remove some things, but it's really hard for us to change the core experience of PictoChart. But we, we're we actually thinking about doing that. Um, of course, we're going to keep validating that with our users. <laughs> but, um, but, it's, but we think that if we nail it, like it's going to be amazing to help people, you know, like really create amazing stories um, using infographics instead of currently it's like all the tools are there. You do whatever you want with it, but we're trying to help them um, think about their story more. So yeah, hopefully we get there. (laughs) Very cool. Yeah. What's been the, the um, biggest advantage of building outside of kind of um, Silicon Valley and, and that the tech kind of hub there? I think um, it's like, uh, hands down, it's talent. Um, we've, we've thought about setting up an office in the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. Um, we've thought about, you know, just having presence there just because like 60% of our users are there. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. But, but it, it really began to, um, like, in terms of cost, burn rate, um, and, and even culture. So, like, this is one of the things that, you know, I was talking with somebody who, I don't want to disclose the name, but it's, it's a really big company. Um, <laughs> and, and, and they were telling me that their average like retention, you know, for, uh, a, an average like employee was like 14 months, like one, four months. And oh, wow. I was like, Whoa, like you, you guys are like, you know, like we think that like we aspire to be you guys, but I would never aspire to have like a retention rate of 14 months ever. Um, and, and, I think also being in Asia where um, I I just feel like there's something different about the people. (laughs) Okay. Um, Obviously there's a lot of like less uh, war for talent. Um, 
And that could also create like a sense of like, it's really healthy in terms of like retention, um, in terms of culture, uh, and, and also in terms of like getting really good people. It's, it's not, yeah, it's, it's just been an amazing process. So I, I would say that that's the reason why we have not yet set up, um, any offices in, in the States or, yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like you're, you're finding people and they're, they're happy um, they're going to, you know, they're happy working every day and, and they're not always with one foot out the door. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't say that for like the whole of Southeast Asia, but in general, um, uh, I mean, I, I have heard, like, I, we have friends in, in Kuala Lumpur, like the capital of Malaysia, and we've heard that, you know, like the developers, like kind of, it's nine months on their CV, like it's nine months, 12 months, nine months, 12 months. Okay. But, uh, you know, not, not what we've experienced um, so far, at least. And we're extremely grateful and happy with the situation as it is. That's awesome. So where do we keep up with you um, and PictoChart online? Um, so I'm currently trying to be more on Twitter. I'm not sure if okay. I can put a bad thing, but um, that would, my handle would be ACGOH. Um, and PictoChart as well is um, very much on Twitter. So I would say that Twitter is probably the best place. Awesome. And it's uh, PictoChart on Twitter? Yes, that's right. Awesome. And it's PictoChart.com? Uh, yeah, the, the URL would be PictoChart.com. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much. No problem. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Rocket Ship Podcast. If you enjoyed it, we have tons of other awesome episodes on our website. Check them out, rocketship.fm. And be sure to check out our app discount section where we have discounts on products that we use every day, like Woo Themes, Wistia, Treehouse. Go to rocketship.fm forward slash essentials and get your discounts today.
like 